0: Welcome to another episode of the Origins of Home podcast. This is episode number 13, and I'm sure Taylor Swift would be very pleased. Not sure how she would feel about the topic, given that she doesn't know it. Anyway, today it's election day in Brazil, but I'm not going to talk about politics. And the 13th episode has nothing to do with um, political views or anything like that. Just so happened to be on the same day. Anyway, today we're going to talk about why following your passion is not the greatest career advice and the hedonist trap that a lot of of young adults seem to be falling into or even pursuing actively. Well, that's it. This is also the season finale. We're coming to a close on season one of the Origins of Home podcast. And we'll also do maybe a little bit of an overview or recap of the season and what to look forward to in season two. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Origins of Home podcast. I am Mariana Venceslau, and I am your host. In the Origins of Home, we are contemplating home, family and life. Join the journey to become a better steward of the skills, resources and relationships we have. Right. season finale what does that even mean the season was short is a pilot season and many many tv shows at least have a shorter pilot season to see how things are to test the waters and all that well let's do a little bit of a recap at the end of the episode and for now let's talk about why following your passion what that actually is and uh, why that is not the greatest career advice And what might be an accurate substitute for that? So I'm not sure, but you've probably heard at some point in life or even said that to someone to be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? And you might have heard or said to, to a person, just follow your passion, find something that you're passionate about and then do that thing, become great at that thing that you're passionate about, because... If you work with something that you love, you never have to work a day in your life. That, on the surface, can be a good idea to propose to someone. It's enticing to be like, yes, I never have to do boring work. I never have to, you know, go to work feeling unsatisfied and unfulfilled. I'll always work with something that I'm, that I'm proud of and happy with. And then it'll be perfect. But the thing is, that that's not actually how it goes. If you think about any profession, any career, any craft, any work, there will be activities within that structure, within that career, within that job that you don't like doing. And there will be days when you don't like the idea of going to work and you have to do it anyway, or not, <laughs> in my case. I don't have a strict schedule um, as a PhD student. I get to choose the days that I go into the lab and the days that I work from home. So there's some flexibility there. But even still, there are days when I don't want to do anything and I don't want to follow my passion for research. Because let's face it, research is fun and it's cool and it's interesting. You're advancing frontiers of knowledge. You're trying to build upon, you know, giants that came before you. You're trying to add a little block of knowledge to the collective human knowledge that's a pretty interesting thing you're you're being meticulous about following a hypothesis to the end and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and if the hypothesis is right or not and it's just it's cool you know it's exciting but there are many aspects of a researcher's career that don't appeal to me that I find absolutely massacrating to the soul but when I got into college or when I was was trying out for college, I had this f- laser focus on biomedical sciences because that, that was what I wanted to study. That was what I was passionate about. And I know that many people um, close to my age, at least at least in the in the region that I live, um, there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have chosen the, the undergrad course so young. Because now I have different interests. And I just realized that that's not really what I wanted to do. There's this other problem with following your passion as a career advice. Because there's this idea that there is this very narrow, very elusive target for making it. For being successful and for being fulfilled with your career. And if you miss that that target if you miss that extremely tiny and elusive target then you will end up miserable and the chances of that happening the chances of you not getting that teeny tiny very specific target are massive and what happens then if you if you spend a lot of your early adulthood years gearing towards something and then you miss the target by whatever Um, reasons you know there there could be a number of reasons that you end up missing that target and some of them are not even under your control they're not even under your scope of, of, of action so what happens then does that person is that person doomed to a miserable career life and that's why I think this is terrible career advice and this is why I think I kind of um, faltered in my choice of career. Not that I'm unhappy with it. It's just that if I were to go back, I would do some things differently. I wouldn't necessarily go into biomedical sciences just because it was something that I wanted to study and learn. I would maybe have thought out my career path more critically, you know? Um, so let's give a little bit of a reinterpreted version of following your passion as career advice, because this this reinterpreted version will kind of shift the focus from ultimate career satisfaction as a great life purpose and all that. And uh, instead, it will center around you seeing what kind of lifestyle you want and centering your career or your job or your trade around that, around the rhythms, around the routines, around the lifestyle that you want. So instead of saying... Follow your passion. Maybe we should be saying, follow something valuable that you're good at and that allows you to have a life that you're pleased with. But that kind of doesn't roll off the tongue as well. It is indeed more realistic, more achievable, more flexible. And it also doesn't push career as your top life priorities. Well, that was a long-winded answer to a question nobody asked me. Um... That seems to be the the theme with our episodes. I'll go on, on a tangent on a rant about topics that no one asked me about. Anyway, um, this is why what I've just exposed is why I think following your passion is not good to center your life around. And let me just point out something that I think is very interesting. In the US, as many of you are aware The way that you choose your undergraduate course is slightly different than how we do it in Brazil. In Brazil, for those unaware, we take the SAT correspondent exam, and it's it's an annual exam. You have like one date out of the year to take the exam, and you apply to, I think, three different universities, but you apply to a set, to a specific undergraduate course in that specific university and if your you know score matches up the the ranking with all that and you get in you have to take that specific course you cannot change it so you don't get into the university you get into the program that specific course within that certain university so you don't have flexibility you have flexibility to choose which courses you apply within that exam but within that window you have a few choices to make and then you're set and if you get into undergrad with like biomedical sciences at at the federal university x y and z you have to take the undergraduate course in biomedical sciences at university um federal university x y and z and that's how it goes in the u.s it's slightly different you get into the program Right, you get into the school of, of of whatever, and then you get to take different courses or different um, classes within different um, departments, and then you craft a an undergraduate um, course, an undergraduate degree, from compiling different courses and different classes from different undergrad. I think I've, I've yeah, I'm butchering the the U.S. educational system, but. That's my general understanding of it. And I want to point out that this flexibility is quite interesting. And I I hope that we could apply that to Brazil. Because being 16, which is when you really start trying, you know, you really start studying to get into college. I think it's around 15 or 16 years old. You're really honed in to giving your best to get into a good school. you have to study for that specific school and that specific course because you know that the score will be around that number and you need to hit that number on the equivalent of the SAT. But then look at what happens if you you change your mind or if you change your perception of life or if you change your outlook of life. If you have this tremendous life-altering experience where you're like, oh, this is not the lifestyle that I want. I don't want to be a doctor, you know, with the crazy hours. You know, I want a kind of a more laid back, more like more of an artisan type of thing, or the other way around. You get into study geology, and then you're like, no, I really, I really want to get into engineering. You, you really can't. You have to take the SAT equivalent exam again and get into a different undergrad school. So it's a bit of a hassle. And to make that choice of of a degree at 16, which is when you're trying out, when you're really dedicating yourself to studying for that, it's not really good for mental health. And this, this is a kind of a buzzword for now, but I've seen the effects of that. I've worked with teenagers for, for many years. I do remember fondly, I do remember the the pressure that it was, you know, with my colleagues, with my peers, and with me as well, and also working with teenagers after the fact, um, the pressure that they feel of like making the right choice as if they have only one chance of getting it right is extremely detrimental to their overall life satisfaction and, and general health. So I just wanted to make it very clear if there's any teenagers listening or parents of teenagers, your career does not define who you are. You can change careers. You can change a lot of the aspects of your life to better suit your values and the lifestyle they want, okay? Following your passion is not the only answer. It can work for some people, but it doesn't. It's not a one-size-fits-all answer, Okay? So I I do believe that saying something like follow something valuable that you're good at, that allows you to have a life that you're pleased with is a much better, um, is a much more valuable and it's a much better advice for a teenager that's trying to figure out what to do with their life than just simply follow your passion. Find something that you love and do that forever. because that is just not true. If you work with something you love, you will still have to work. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that work will be a breeze. So that's it. We'll take a short break and then we'll come back to talk about the hedonist trap, which may or may not involve another rent. Back well, I'm not sure you can hear the little toads that are croaking in the background, and if you can, I will leave that in because it's a nice sound. Um, signs of spring here in the south—it's a time of life, and yeah, there's new new flowers blooming every day. It's just a very exciting moment. Not really i um, pleased with the fact that it's getting warmer. I don't really like the heat here in Rio, but it is what it is. We need the cold and we need the heat. Um, okay, so for this next part, what I wanted to talk about is the hedonist trap. And first I'm going to kind of, of um, conceptualize what I mean by hedonism uh, or rather hedonist trap and then i'm going to give you a few examples and you can take away the lessons that you want from that let's talk a bit about covid again as if as if no one is talking about it as if this hasn't been a topic a constant topic in our society for the past two and a half years um two years rather but let's talk about covid and the and the changes that it caused in our society because at least for the first part, the height of the pandemic, the peak of the, of the pandemic phase, which would be early 2020, what happened, as we all know, because we lived through it, we were sent into lockdown. We were shut off from the world, socialising, was cut off, physically at least, and we were forced to retreat into our homes. And that, for some people like me, was a blessing because I got some much needed rest um, after finishing my master's dissertation, which was the week prior to lockdown. But I know that that's not the case for the majority of people. And when I say a blessing, I only mean in the sense that I could take time to be at home without having obligations outside of the home. That's the only aspect of lockdown that I that I'm considering a blessing, okay? Of course, it's a tragedy. Don't even think I need to mention it, but just for the sake of full disclosure and to, to keep the basis covered, okay? Pandemic bad. Okay? Good. We got that we got that clear. But for some people like me, we saw the silver lining in this let's retreat into our homes and we enjoyed it. I can say for certain that I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that I got to be 40, 50, 60 days at home without setting foot in society. To me, that was a good moment. But for other people, this was completely halting their lives. This was completely throwing their lives out of whack. It was the it was the upheaval of their lives, and I understand that it's very difficult to undergo this dramatic societal change, because what what we what we ended up seeing collectively was a a rise in talks about mental health and about how this um, pandemic was affecting us in our relationships, in our understanding of. How we deal with work, how we deal with careers, how we deal with, um, yeah, just various levels of relationships, be them um, familial or or colleagues and friends. And so what happens then when you have a huge amount of people undergo this paradigm shift where you stop seeing the, the work that you do in your career day in and day out in your job? as the main focus of your life, and you have to retreat into your home. If you come back to a home that is completely unstructured and chaotic, or you come home to emptiness and loneliness without a a support system, without hobbies, without rhythms, without life-giving stuff, when your whole world collapses and you're left with this emptiness and this loneliness, what's there to work toward. And in our society, with uh, at least in the urban society that I'm exposed to and that I've lived my whole life in, what you end up seeing is a lot of people either absorbed by their work with fragile and weak social lives that don't have any depth, they're very, very shallow, or you end up seeing people who actually have a little bit more balance but also don't have roots in many places uh, or in enduring things. I think this I think millennials or young adults were hit pretty hard by this because at least from the majority of people that I know and that I see talking about this they seem to make the jobs and the careers one of the focal points of their lives and it, when that came crumbling down and home office surged and the home spaces were chaotic, they were they were thrown in the upside down, basically. They saw everything shift and they didn't know how to deal with it. And then we saw the surge in, in quitting and resignation and all that. People started calling it the Great Resignation and all that. But it's part of a larger movement, I think which is the discontentment with current life structure or societal structure in, in the Western modern world. And I know that I've touched on this previously, but this is a point that I think we need to come back to again and again because it is, it is a systemic problem that we face in our society. The, the importance that we put on career development and work and the role that work plays in our lives and the lack of structure or the lack of depth in in many people's lives is frightening to say the least and so when we saw that surge due to the pandemic a lot of things were made very clear which is why a lot of people quit a lot of people decided to move away from urban centers which is why a lot of people decided to keep on on doing home office, now that things are um, transitioning back. And those that use that time to find more depth in their lives, I think are better off for it. But now let's focus on the hedonist trap. What exactly is that? This tangent that I just went on, kind of explained a little bit on the work side of things. But now let's talk about the social aspect or the Let's live in the moment or YOLO type of thing. Let's look at through that aspect. So in the social aspect, what, what we see about the hedonist trap, hedonism, by the way, is the search for pleasure for pleasure's sake. Or hedonism refers to a family of theories, all of which have in common that pleasure plays a central role in them. Okay, so it's pleasure for pleasure's sake, is seeking pleasure as is seeking pleasure as the highest value. When you have a young adult, let's look at this example of a young adult, highly achieved in their career or building a high um, profile career in an urban center, it's it's very common to see that young man or, or, or that young woman to be extremely social with many friends and their social lives are very active, they go on lots of parties and all that, and gray vacations and it's a whole hoopla their lives are a big hoopla or a big party it's just (sighs) hustle culture rise and grind but also party hard and usually what we end up seeing is and I'm sure you've seen you've seen this for yourselves but it's usually like I can't wait for the weekend to get here I'm gonna party so hard the weekends are my own, the nights are my own, and all that. Well, this kind of idea of seeking pleasure at all costs as the ultimate goal, as the ultimate purpose in your everyday life, it's a trap, okay? <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the episode. I'm not going to explain this any further. I kid, of course. Um, someone that has a, a high-paying job they worked hard to get that job. That job is relatively stable. And they hate it. They've told me time and again, like, it's not, it's not a good job. I don't like it. I don't like what I do. But I do it because the pay is good. And I get to enjoy the weekends. And then on the weekends, they don't stop. It's just party, 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 experience, experience, experience. Let's get a new thing. Let's do the new thing. Let's, try the new restaurant, let's try the new hot spot, let's have the, the crazy bucket list um, travel or vacation. And I just don't get it. We're trading. It's become the norm to trade your everyday life for these fleeting moments of pleasure. But you see, There is a creator that I really like, an artist that I really like, and he put it beautifully, and I'm going to quote him on this. Not everything has to be grand. Not every moment has to be grand and spectacular because the quilt of life is sewed of everyday moments. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to put it. He's an artist. He's truly an artist. He manages to encapsulate Beautiful moments, they're simple, and just make you yearn for a simpler life. Anyway, that's Trout and Coffee. You can you can go follow the link in the in the show notes or in the video description and uh, check out his channel. He's a great artist. Anyway, the hedonist trap. This is the topic that we're talking about. So. This, this other person that I'm talking about, this hypothetical but kind of real um, example. Making, making your everyday life miserable in a, in a job that you don't really find fulfillment in. Just to get a great paycheck, to be able to enjoy the weekends and pursue the pleasures in your off times, in your off hours. I don't think is a very rewar- rewarding way to live. I understand if you have to do this for necessity reasons, like I need to provide for me and or for my family and for my loved ones, or I need to pay off debt, or I need you know to take care of someone or something. It's an extreme situation. It's not the ideal situation. You're trying to get out of that situation. I can understand that working something that you don't enjoy, but doing this conscientiously just to have the, the the heights of your life beyond your off time and doing a big hoopla thing and making sure that everything has to be spectacular and picture perfect and Instagram worthy or something like that I just I can't get behind that I would rather have a simpler life, in which most moments are simple but memorable, or enjoyable or fulfilling. Anyway, that's my two cents. I know this may seem contradictory to the first part of this episode, but if you look closely, it's not. Um, what I'm talking about, it's it's a more of a, what's the purpose of your life, and what role does your job in that Um, there's a balance there you're not trying to just be like follow your passion and everything will be a breeze and I'll never have to work a day in my life this is an extreme of this uh, seesaw of this equilibrium that we're trying to reach the other extreme would be job is miserable I never have to care for it my real life happens in my off hours it's neither here nor, nor there you need to find a balance. If you're looking for a recommendation for, for a show that will make you think about this long and hard, I will recommend the show Severance. It's on Apple TV. And first season, this this topic, at least, of the show is absolutely phenomenal. This idea of who are you within the work context and who are you as a whole, as a whole human being very interesting discussion, very interesting look in this in this show. So that's it. That's my recommendation for the day. We're running um into the third session, which will be a recap of the season. Let's take another break and we'll get back to it. Back. Well, um, as I mentioned, this is the season finale for the season for the first season of the Origins of Home podcast, and it's been a journey. This is I've gone out of my way, out of my comfort zone to produce something that I think is valuable. I don't think I did the best work possible. I do see a lot of flaws in In this podcast, um, I do wish I had done many things differently. Um, Obviously, sound quality in the first few episodes is absolutely abysmal. But I followed the rule or the principle of like, start with what you have. Start with the equipment you have. Start with the... My idea at first was to have beautifully crafted essays. On topics that I that I thought had something to say about home, family and life. And I started by going over one of my favourite Disney movies. And one of my favourite movies in general. Just because of the story and the message that it conveys. Which is Encanto. And I do think that that episode is good. But... I was still really shy. I had no idea how to speak to a microphone um, in a natural manner. You know, I was doing all these things with my voice and it was just so weird. It was actually my first time, I think, really speaking um, publicly about something in English, you know, to an audience. And by audience, I mean a a fictional possible audience, as in I was going to let that out into the ether or into the internet and see where it stuck um so that was my first that was my first stab at creating something that I cherish um that is just for the sake of doing it and then I went on and then I went on to make a couple of episodes that weren't really crafted but they all touched on topics that I really think are worth thinking about. I do believe that all the episodes that I've done so far have um, something of value. I do think that they have a lesson or or an insight or just a thought-provoking idea. And they do all revolve around, some way or another, they do all revolve around home, family, and life. Because these things, these topics, these areas of life Of course, life is one of them. But I do think that these are hugely important contents or parts of our life. If we want a life that is full of depth, beauty and truth, which is the overall, um, which are the overall pillars of the life that I'm trying to craft for myself and for my family. I did then go on to have a little bit of a pause at the end, um, in the middle of the season between episodes six and seven there's a one month gap as there is between the the 12th and this one um but that that period I fell into a rut of being like okay I'm not doing the the structure essays I'm just going on rants but I need to have a, a structure to it and then imposter syndrome kind of kicked in and one thing just led to another. And then when I saw one month had gone by, and then I did the Just Do It episode as a kind of a wake-up call to myself and just put my face out there figuratively and <laughs> and get back into the groove. And then I went on to make some of my favorite episodes. Um, number eight, Hospitality Hobbies and housekeeping. It's a very fun episode. But then I think my favorite was The Metaverse and Our Need for Connection. That episode, I really do think it's, um, yeah, there are hot takes, there are um, controversial topics, and the quality, I think, just improved from there. Um, And then family revision um, or revising family frameworks, and then Harry Potter and the Power of Names. Yeah, yeah. I really like the season, I really like the topics that I covered. But I do hope that I can carry out the plans that I'm making for season two. I have no timeline for that. But I do have a rough framework for how I want the season to go. And I, I do want to take some time to craft a cohesive series. So That's why I'm ending this season earlier than I had originally planned, because I've come to a point in the year where there's a lot going on um, personally, you know, relatives are going to need surgery. And so the, the, the family structure and routine is, you know, had to had to change dramatically. And I started a new I started a new phase in my PhD where I need to dedicate more time to it and more effort. I've also started another um, pers- another professional challenge, and uh, so there's there's a lot going on, and I just need to prioritize some things. And I I don't want to leave anything slacking, and I don't want to do things you know um, halfway or, or with half the effort. So that's why there's been this month plus gap between episodes twelve and uh, this one. And so that's why I, one of the reasons why I decided to end the season earlier. this is this will be the longest episode, I think. And, um, yeah, so I have a rough outline for season two. I do plan on making episodes uh, more structured, or at least for there to be, a cohesive narrative throughout the season um, at least in the way that the episodes are structured and all that so I'm just repeating myself now I guess I don't want to say goodbye maybe that's the thing um, I do like recording I do and it's been it's been quite a, it's been quite the journey like I don't have any major milestones in terms of audience in terms of people listening and all that but I did grow a lot, you know, from from February. Yeah, so February to October. There are seven complete months and a couple of days between the day that I first published the first episode or the trailer for the season and the day that I'm recording this. So seven and a half months. Let's round it up to seven and a half months that I've been doing this and I've learned so much about me as a, as a, you know, not performer, not a teacher, but as, you know, as I'm speaking into the microphone, um, I've learned a lot about myself as a business manager, or marketer, or planner, and all the different roles, producer and all that. I've learned a lot about the intricacies of running a digital thing, business, you could call it that. It's not making any money, but might as well call it a business. And uh, I've learned a lot about the topics that we've covered. I've had to read more about them, research them, and just think through them. So it's been a really enriching process for me. And if this turns into something more, as in if more people start listening to it, then this is just a bonus. You know, the fact that more people might listen to it is just a bonus. It's not the sole reason I'm doing this. I'm going to keep doing it, but at my own pace, at a pace that is feasible, sustainable, and that I can bring value into the things that I do. So without further ado, let's wrap the season. (laughs) Um, I've learned a lot about editing as well, which you'll see, I hope you'll see less of as we go on. If you've, if you've reached this far into the episode, if you stayed, well, let me know. I would love to hear from you. If you learned something new or found something interesting, then I would encourage you to share this with one friend, just one person you think will like what we talked about here today. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning into the this season. And uh, I hope to catch you in the next episode or the next season, rather. Bye. This was another episode of the Origins of Home podcast. If you'd like to leave comments or feedback, you can send us an email over at originsofhomepod at gmail.com. If you'd like to get the show in more people's ears, leaving a review would be lovely. I would also like to encourage you to send this episode to one friend you think will like to hear what we talked about today. You can see useful links for today's episode in the show notes. And that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.